Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hi, I'm Robin Colucci, and welcome to the Author's Corner. One of the biggest controversies, if you will, in the conversation between whether or not an author should self-publish or seek a traditional publisher is this big question of, well, what does a traditional publisher really do to help authors promote their books? And there's a lot of mythology around this, anywhere from the most extreme fantasies of book publishers funding worldwide book tours to the most cynical point of view that they just don't do anything anymore. And to help clear some of this up, I have invited today, our special guest, Kim Corbin. And Kim is a senior publicist at New World Library Publishers. You probably have heard of some of their books, including The Power of Now, Creative Visualization, and The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. These books are among the most well-known books ever published as well as hundreds of other books that are changing lives and the world for the better. Kim has handled the publicity for the renowned authors throughout the spiritual world of expertise. And she was also the host of the podcast, New World Now, where she dove deep with these authors to share about their wisdom with others. By night, Kim is a skipping superhero. She has been the world's most vocal advocate for the body, mind, and spirit benefits of adult skipping for over 21 years. And her skipping movement has been featured in USA Today, Time, People, and Newsweek magazines. And you can check that out online at iskip.com. So I really loved my conversation with Kim and a lot of myths around PR and publishing and the relationship between a publisher's PR department and authors. We busted a lot of myths, uncovered a lot of unknown truths that I think that most people don't know. And you will also get to hear some pretty darn great ideas for promoting and launching your book regardless of how you chose to publish. So I hope that you will get tremendous value from this show as I have. And sit back and enjoy. So Kim, welcome to the Author's Corner. Thank you so much. Like I said before, I'm so excited to have you with us today because I just think that this is such a big question this whole idea of 
working with a traditional publisher and what they will or will not do for you to help you promote your book. There's all kinds of fantasies and as well as really unfair portrayals of what they don't do and things like that. So I'm just so happy to have you here to set the record straight on some of these things. But before we get into that, I would love it if you would share with our listeners a little bit about how you landed in this field, because I think it's a pretty interesting story. As I <laughs> Yeah. So I grew up in Indiana in Indianapolis. I went to Purdue and I got a degree in elementary education and it was impossible to find a teaching job when I graduated because it was just so crowded in the market. So I was able to get a teaching assistant job which I enjoyed. But then during that time when I was doing the teaching assistant job, my dad, who owns a printing company, wrote and self-published a book called The Edge Resume and Job Search Strategy. And it was the most unique, cool book I'd ever seen. He was like encouraging people to be bold in their job search and use the four color resumes and all this really fun stuff. And I fell in love with the book. And so I started going and selling it, like going to colleges and, hey, my dad wrote this book. Isn't this neat? Like I just was on fire about it to the point that I said to him, you know what? I really feel called, like I want to help you sell this book. And so he agreed to hire me and match my $5 an hour teaching salary to be his book marketing person. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to work for him. And I basically taught myself the self-publishing world. I ended up getting some really fun publicity. That's what I do now, of course, as I'm a publicist. So it was had a natural knack for that. Like I got us a great Father's Day feature in the Indianapolis Star. And I ended up finding a bigger publisher to distribute us to the trade. And so I'm self-taught through self-publishing. And then it's a whole nother story, but I met a guy on the internet who lived in San Francisco and started dating him long distance in 1996. So I was way ahead of my time. <laughs> <laughs> and while I was kind of thinking about moving here, there was a job opening that was listed at Josie Bass Publishers for a publicity assistant. And the publicity director, Joanne Skinner, who is now my lifelong mentor, basically interviewed me. I wasn't even living here yet and said, I want her, like saw me and said, I want to hire her and convince them that they should wait for me to move there. And so I started at Josie Bass as a publicity assistant. And then Joanne ended up getting pregnant. And so I basically learned all about it and then took over as the publicity director there. So that was kind of my entree into the publishing world. Yeah, that's so cool. And now you're at New World. And how long have you been there? Remind me. I've been there 16 years. Yeah. I knew it was a long time. (laughs) Yeah. It's an incredible company. Like once people start working there, you never leave because they really give back to the community and to their employees and generous profit sharing program and put such good work in the world. So yeah, I'm very happy there. Wonderful. All right. So now we get to get into this nitty gritty stuff. So you are the PR go-to person. And so What do you find when a new author is coming in, when you sign a new author? What would you say is the number one misconception that authors have coming into this initial conversation with you about planning and as you're cultivating your promotion plan with them? Well, I think that there's just an unrealistic expectation often about how challenging it can really be to get publicity. And then not only that, but then once you get publicity, especially this has changed drastically over the years, 
what that publicity has the power to do. I mean, there definitely are some shows. If Oprah has you on Super Soul Sunday, you're going to sell a lot of books. But these days, like even an author gets on Good Morning America, like it can be a short clip and they show the cover of the book and we don't sell that many books. Like back in the day, if you were on Oprah, you would go back to print and print 30,000 more copies (laughs) and those days are over. So, and it's just a completely different media landscape. So I would say that's the biggest misconception. Right. So the misconception that PR is what drives book sales. Right. Like it's definitely a piece of the puzzle, but like that, that is the only piece because that's definitely not accurate. You know, something that I've heard myself say to authors that I work with is that they have to understand that what PR does is raise awareness. So it helps people know that you exist. It helps them know that a book exists, but it's not actually a driver of book sales. Yeah. Not nearly in the way of like being in the room with a hundred people and having your book, you know, for sale. Right. Yeah. That's going to drive book sales. Yeah. So these authors come in with this misconception that PR is going to cause book sales. Well, actually, let's back up just for a second. I will say that's definitely true overall, but it's also true that the right podcast, like, so everyone thinks, oh, I want to be on Good Morning America. You know, like they're like convinced that that's what they want. And that's going to be, they're going to get on national TV and that's what they're going to get. And then, or Oprah, (laughs) you know, it's it's just probably not going to happen. But even if it did with Good Morning America, it wouldn't matter. But it also is true that the right really targeted podcast for your audience where a much beloved podcaster really gives you an endorsement and says, this is a great book. You can watch those Amazon rankings immediately go change. So it's like a balance. Like it definitely is not everything. It's one piece of the pie. Like, especially in today's world, there's many pieces to the pie. So I wouldn't say that publicity doesn't sell books. It just doesn't maybe sell as many books as what people think, or they'll say, oh, my book was you know, 20,000 overall on Amazon. Well, that means that they probably sold like 50 books where an author will think it's thousands of books. So it's just right, a right, little right. scale. It does sell books, but just not like hundreds yeah, and thousands not, of books. It's not like the book sales ATM machine where you yes. it in and then the book sales rain down on you. But I think you brought up a really good point that I want to drill down in here because this is something that is really worth mentioning, which is, you know, Good Morning America, for example, let's use that, has a very huge but general audience. Mm-hmm. And when you talked about like a smaller yet highly targeted podcast with a host, with a following that adores them, those, first of all, are much, much easier to book mm-hmm. and potentially way more productive when it comes to book sales. Yes, absolutely. Yes. A hundred percent. And really the podcast world has just opened up. I mean, there's so much you can do. That's an interesting thing for author, different authors approach it different ways. And I always like to check in with my authors about like, are you going to be willing to do anything and everything? Or are you like an A-list person that only wants to do A-list? Which honestly, my personal philosophy is like every little bit adds up in this digital world. And so you might be talking to someone on a small podcast that doesn't seem like that's going to get very much, but someone else could be listening. And the more your name is out there, the more that you come up in Google searches, the higher your SEO is. So 
I love what an author says. I'll do it all. Cause then I have like this and it used to be hard to find shows to pitch. Well, there's a ton of shows now, so I can get an author sometimes 60, 70 podcast interviews during their launch at New World Library, which is not going back to other publishers like New World Library. The way we do publicity is not often how a lot of in-house publishers work. Like I wouldn't say that you would expect that normally, like is really knowing what your publisher does or doesn't do. And oftentimes you're not going to get someone that's been there 16 years. It's like totally like into it. Like I am and loves to pitch. Like not every publisher does that. So that's actually a really good question. What kinds of questions should an author be asking? I mean, generally, one of our clients might get anywhere from four to 26 offers, right? Uh, you know, when, when an agent's pitching their book. What kinds of questions should an author be asking of the PR part of the picture when they're selecting a publisher? Ooh, that's a really interesting question. Well, I think that it's really just finding out like what their regular treatment for authors is and what they do. And where you're going to fall in that. Like, I know a lot of times, like at Hay House, for instance, like there's the A-list authors at Hay House that are the big recognizable names. And then they have different levels and they have even have a vanity publishing where it's, it's going to be different. So it can really vary. So I would ask them just very specifically, like, what is your publicity plan for your authors? And maybe ask for a couple of examples of what they've gotten, because every PR department, I'm pretty sure, keeps a list of the PR they've gotten or they could create something. So I think that that's an interesting question. Like, where have you gotten placements for your authors lately? Yeah. And I think that that other question that you pointed to is also very important because they do, especially with the big five, tend to heavily invest in the more proven authors we're the ones where they bet the most money. So where, they're, yes. where they have the larger advances, they're actually going to double down on those to try to make those sales earn that advance back versus the authors where they didn't invest as much don't tend to get the same level of attention. I would also say, I mean, in most cases, and this is my philosophy on this has shifted since the pandemic. Like when my authors would ask me before about hiring their own freelance publicist, I would tell them they didn't need, I mean, I love what I do and I get a lot of publicity for my authors, but that's not always the case. Um, so I would say to them, and now it's changed and I have encouraged some authors and I have had good working relationships with freelance publicists Yeah. now. And so I'm kind of shifting how I feel about that because I think it's such a team effort and that would be overall what I would say to authors regardless is like, this is a team effort and you need to be actively involved. You don't sit there and wait for you know, them to just present your publicity to you on a silver platter. Like you need to be thinking and reaching out to podcasts yourself and recommending yourself. And then that would be a question to ask too, is can I do that? And then do it, can I send review copy requests to you? Will you fulfill them and follow up so that you know, if you do it yourself or do I need to hire a publicist? Would that be helpful? But sometimes with a freelance publicist, the reason I was hesitant before is you can spend a lot of money on a freelance publicist and you get promised a lot of sizzle without a lot of steak because it's yeah. hard to get publicity. It yeah. doesn't matter if you go to lunch with someone at Good Morning America once a week, which a lot of these people, that's what they sell, right? It doesn't matter if it's not the right book at the right time. The best connection in the world doesn't matter. So I think you got to take that with a grain of salt and realize that if you hire a freelance publicist, that you need to have something else like you are a coach and you're going to get clients or you're going to get speaking gigs. 
if you think you're going to sell, you know, make enough money to cover your cost of your publicist from book sales alone, that's not going to happen. So I always, I'm really (laughs) honest with people about that. Yeah. And the other thing that they need to understand on hiring a freelance publicist, which also I do recommend that my clients do as well. And then you can have that partnership with the in-house publicist. And I think that can really help to geometrically, you know, increase the effort, like the results of the efforts of both mm-hmm. are working together. But one thing I think a lot of people don't understand is you don't wait until the book launches to hire a publicist. Yes. That you need a good, ideally six months runway leading up to the launch. Would you agree with this? You know, to absolutely. Really yeah. The benefits. Yeah. Because the long lead process starts we're usually at four to five months in house where we get the PDF. It's time to start reaching out to the long lead media. So yeah, it's best to not wait until the pub date. Like when you're in the editorial phase, be thinking about it and checking in and people get busy and they don't have space and that sort of thing. So absolutely. Okay. So just so we're clear. So the PR arm of a publishing house, and obviously you've worked at a couple, so you don't know all of them, but essentially what would you say, because it seems like there's more to your role than just pitching. So tell us a little bit more about your role and how you fit into this picture in this team that's supporting the author. Well, it really starts when we get the, the long lead galleys. And then at that point, it's taking the material and figuring out what's the most exciting way to present this in a clear, concise, like what's the golden nugget? So I'll work with authors to come up with press materials, sample interview questions. That's the kind of the first phase is just like taking it out of just the editorial to like, how do we present this in a way that's going to be exciting to people? And then there's a lot of, sometimes I'm a therapist, you know, (laughs) (laughs) go wrong, some ego management, reality checks and encouragement, like often one of my things I always say to authors, especially in today's world, and especially since COVID is that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Oh, And a lot of times, like even the power of now, which is New World Library's blockbuster bestseller Mm -hmm. took while it took a couple of years before it started getting traction. So it's easy to think it's all going to happen at once and then to get discouraged when it doesn't, but it's really a marathon and not a sprint. So there's a lot of that kind of framing and encouraging and then empowering them for my authors to be able to reach out to podcasters. Like if you listen to a podcast and you really like it and you can write a personal note and say, Hey, I'm an author. I'd love to have my publicist send you a copy of my book. Here's what I loved about this episode. That's better than me where I'm doing so much all the time that I come up with a great pitch and I'll personalize it for here and there for different contacts, but it's pretty much like quantity. Sure. sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So an author can really help with that. And hopefully the publisher would be open to all publishers. I would hope, I mean, maybe not though, (laughs) would be open to working with an author like that. That's helping to generate leads. And then you're really not relying on someone else because in-house publicists have a lot of different authors are working with at a time. It's we hold a lot. And so even under the best of circumstances. So Authors need to be aware of that. And it's kind of like your own medical care. You know, like you really need to be aware and read up and do your own legwork and don't just expect it to come to you. Yeah. And be an advocate, right? For your, yes. your project, but not just by pestering, but by actually. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing too, is you have to trust, you know, like sometimes you can 
just tweak things to death and you got to let the energy flow by the time it gets there. And it's hard for authors because you've been working on this with your baby. It's like for all this time, you've been so close to it. And then it's time to let the baby go out into the world. And that's where the therapy thing comes in again. And sometimes it's a futile, it doesn't matter, but it's like letting it have its chance and letting it go out there and trusting people, hiring good people or having good people. If you don't have them around you to help with the process. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So what is the biggest mistake an author has either made (laughs) without naming names, of course, when working with the PR department, or do you think could make, or maybe both, but I'm, you know, we have to, we have to hear about a train wreck or two here. (laughs) Cause we can learn from others mistakes before we make them. Right. Well, like (laughs) never ask a publicist, have you read my whole book? Probably the answer is no, but we've read enough. Like it's all about the essence and the flavor. And so like that would be something that when an author does that, it's just like. It's like, are you kidding? 60% of the people who buy your book are going to read the whole book. <laughs> exactly. And same with podcaster interview, podcast interviews and that kind of thing. Um, and then just over controlling the process. Again, not being able to let go and let. The professional take it from here and trusting. It's like, no, it needs to be this way. And like controlling the process and wanting it to be your way where it's really a a time of letting go. And it's important to have it be right, but don't nitpick every single word. And it's like you're moving out of that editorial process and into the bigger picture. Interesting. So making that transition from getting every single word dialed just right to allowing the professional in the PR department to take the ideas, push them out to the world. Yes, it might be perfectly imperfect, but that's interesting. You know, that's funny. I did not expect you to say that because if anything, well, I mean, because it could also probably be an error to be so hands-off, right? Like, sorry, we have an intro. hi. For those of you just listening, my pug has entered the scene. So anyway, go to YouTube. (laughs) But to be so like, do it all for me while I sit back and fan myself and have grapes peeled for me. I mean, what would you say is a more common mistake actually trying to micromanage it versus doing that? It's kind of interesting. Luckily, we don't have too many crazy micromanagers. (laughs) And then there have been authors that I think, how could you put it all the way through? And then you just let it go. And they just putting your work and yourself out in the world like this is very vulnerable and scary. And even for New World Library authors that a lot of times people write about what they need to learn. So it's interesting. Sometimes the people who write about letting go are the ones that have the hardest time actually (laughs) doing so. That's what's so wonderful about this industry and this job is that it's just, it varies. Every season there's a new weather pattern that comes in, you know, and that's the other thing too, is your time with this person is short. Like you have a finite amount of time with them. So a lot of times I'll say to like, for me, when I'm doing a lot of in-house publicity, I'll say to people, I'm going to be doing all this. I'll get you all these interviews and then I'm going to be done and I'm going to be moving on. Maybe it would be better instead of hiring a freelancer right now. It used to be, you had to get all your publicity when a book first came out. That's not necessarily true anymore. Like you, there's lots, so many different ways to sell a book these days. So you can wait and hire someone once I'm done and don't spend so much money that you don't have when it may not ultimately right. end up. So if the budget's really tight. Maybe it's better to hire the freelance publicist after you're done with the PR department at the publishing. House. Yes. 
That's a great point. So for you, like, what is your window of time that you're assigned to a book that you have that slot available for a book to learn? Well, right now, so it's the beginning of July. Like I just now am finishing up my press materials and mailing out for books that come out in October. And then the books will come out in October. And then because it'll be the holidays, then especially books that come out around then, like there's new year, new you that happens in January. So I would say that I'll probably work. And it also has a natural flow. Like it's interesting how it just kind of comes and goes. So I'd say six, seven months that New World Library does. But then we also like, unlike the big five and that kind of thing, like that's going to be a shorter window and then you're done. (laughs) But New World Library doesn't do that. Like there's people, if a book's doing well and it's got traction, then we still, and that's another thing. Here's actually one of the biggest mistakes that authors make is they don't befriend their publicists. (laughs) You become an enemy, but you want that person to be excited and feel good about your project so that they'll want to continue working with you and continue, you know, it's such an important relationship. So So yeah, don't be too bossy and you just be grateful that you have someone who's really helping you out and believes in you if if you have that. (laughs) Yeah, great. Now, I mean, I know every publicist is different, but like, what are some things that authors have done to befriend you that you especially appreciate? (laughs) We're going to give it away. We're going (laughs) to, whatever it is, be careful because you're going to get a lot of it. Kim Chesney, who wrote a book called Radical Intuition, sent me a beautiful painting, you know, just Gifts are nice. <laughs> I think this is only common sense, but let's yeah, this is yeah but it rarely happens. Or just like an acknowledgement of recognizing, mm-hmm. like I realize how much you have going on and I appreciate it. And just kind of realize putting yourself in the other person's shoes a little bit. Yeah. It goes a long way. It really does. That's so powerful. Just having that empathy of like, okay, what must it be like to be the publicist? How many books typically are on your plate at once? And recognizing that this is not a big five house. So it's probably not as much as some PR departments. Yeah. Like each season, I usually have five or six campaigns that I'm doing. But right now I'm finishing up winter, spring, like that season. So I still have some very active campaigns that I'm working on right now as I'm starting to transition. So there's the six for fall that are now in my orbit And there's like three or four from spring that are still in my orbit. So that's kind of like there's a Venn diagram that happens. Gotcha. Right. So at any given time, you could be working with maybe 10, potentially 12. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say about that. And then booking, you know, 30, 40, 50 interviews for each of them. (laughs) So it's like a lot of data that runs around. A lot to keep track of. It's a lot. To move Got to have good systems in place. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. And something else is coming to mind as well, because it's interesting. One of the roles that I play with my client when they are getting multiple offers, sometimes they'll get an offer from one or two big five houses, and then they'll get some offers from some smaller houses. And there've been several times where I've actually advised them to take the deal from the smaller house. And I think you could probably speak better to what the reasoning is behind that. So I'd love you to share a little bit about that. Cause I think it's important that authors keep an open mind around this. It's absolutely. And actually we have an author right now that's coming down the pipeline. That's a perfect example of this. Her name's Shelly Tegelski 
And she started the pandemic of love and wrote a book called Sit Down to Rise Up about how self-care can transform the world. And she got some big, big offers. And she told us in our initial marketing call, like we're very excited about this book at New World Library. And she made the conscious choice to forego the big advance to be, instead of being like a little fish in the big pond, to bring this project that's in perfect alignment with who we are and what we do and bring it to New World Library. And then they ended up retaining the audio rights so that they could sell the audio rights themselves to make up some of the money. But she made Mm -hmm. a conscious choice. And it's true. Like we'll have people who come to us and they'll get all this really personal treatment. We'll get them all this publicity. And then they get the big six figure advance. And then you look at the book scan numbers later and they got all the money, but they didn't get the traction in the marketplace. And it's like really about why are you doing this? Like if it's change lives and to really impact the world, then maybe the money isn't the most important thing. And maybe for you, it is like, I think everybody gets to make, and sometimes yeah, it doesn't have to be either money or. Up front. Maybe the money up front is the most important yes. thing. I know some smaller yes. presses that will give you a much, much, much higher percentage as a royalty, you know, traditional houses, not hybrid houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole, a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a bitch session. That'll be my hour-long bitch session. <laughs> that show. But really, this is a real factor. Who's going to be the biggest advocate for you and for your book? Who's going to give you a seven-month window to help you promote your book versus a three-month window? Because really, it does take time for a book to get traction. People grossly underestimate how long it takes. And the books that really last and really like these perennial bestsellers like The Power of Now, like Chicken Soup for the Soul, like Jensen Saros, You Are a Badass. I know for a fact, every single one of those authors did the daily grunt work of pushing that book every day for two years yeah, or close to two years before it really kicked into that New York Times bestseller status. And most people give up after six weeks, if that. Yeah, because it's so challenging. I mean, it's hard to show up again and again and again when you don't feel like you're getting traction. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. (laughs) There's the takeaway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Takeaway. So you talked about being a partner with the PR publisher and the PR team. Give us some more ideas on like, what can an author do to be a really great partner. Get mailing lists, like capturing emails, growing your mailing list, having a core audience to pull from. So one of the things we'll do with our authors when they first come down the pipeline in the pre-sales mode is we'll create a launch team with Amazon. And so they reach out to their audience and say, we're doing this launch team. You'll get a sneak peek of the book and you pre-order the book on Amazon to be a part of it. And then you leave a review for us. And that ends up working out pretty good. Oh yeah. That's very clever. So you do that now. And that's like pre-launch. So that's like a while before the book comes out or just before the book comes out. We usually do it so that we like to have the pre-order numbers in place right before it goes to the printer because Amazon uses those pre-sales to set their print run. Yep. So you want to have a really good list. So back to your question, the mailing list, that's why building your platform is so important. Like it's a partnership and people that have a really well-organized list of people who follow them, they have a hundred, 200, the most we've had is 500 people 
who signed up to be on the launch team that are this core group of a super fans that help them. Yeah. But it's that mailing list and your social capital that creates that. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of social capital, because I know social media is also a pretty big part of what you do. So let's talk a little bit about that. Always changing and how much we invest and don't invest. New World Library has such a diverse list that a lot of times, like we don't do a lot with Facebook and that sort of thing. It's so many different topics that it's hard. Like you can't really do Facebook advertising for any of them. And YouTube is definitely our favorite. We always have our authors do a short Q&A video so that we can show them what they look like to the media. And we have our 18,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel now. So that's definitely good. And then Instagram, like I have an author I'm working with right now, Regina Louise, whose book Permission Granted just came out and she loves Instagram. Like she's not really doing anything else on social media, but she is all about Instagram. And so she's done some Instagram lives with people that like one woman had 3 million followers and her sales rankings like awesome after, like it really moved the dial. So that's another way, kind of like what you're saying about podcasts, where if someone, a sincere plea from an influencer to their people that this is a great book, this is a great person, or having them on to do an Instagram live is a whole new way that you can can promote. Yeah. And then TikTok, and this is, a, I, I've, got, oh, I've yeah. got more to learn about TikTok, but we right? had the other day, our book, The Angel Experiment, we were in our marketing meeting and I looked at the numbers and it sold 600 copies in one week. And I'm like, what's that for? So I emailed the author to ask if she knew what it was. She goes, oh yeah, this guy did this TikTok about my book. It's called The Angel Experiment. And it's about working with angels and how he used her book to like get a free car for $8,000 or something. And so that's what it was. Like, bam, one TikTok video. You got to be in the game and trying to create things, but it's also like more of a ride the wave kind of thing versus a strategy that you sit down and, you know, if you try and do that, what is that magic thing that happens? So, yeah, right. And, you know, when I think of like most of the people I work with are in their 40s and 50s, I don't think TikTok would have occurred to any of them. I'm positive, not on their own. You know, but that has really become, there was an article in the New York Times recently about how TikTok has become, I think it drove some book right onto the bestsellers list or something. Yeah. Times. It was like crazy. <laughs> One person made a TikTok video about it. Yeah. It's amazing. So that's fun. So with social media, it's just like keeping an eye out. And that's again, like what we say to our authors at New World Library is you don't have to like, feel like, oh, I have to do Twitter. I have to do all of them. Pip one to really focus on that's the best fit for you and your audience and build it up there. That's usually, unless someone's like really well-versed and they love it, like it's better to have one that you're super connected in and that you feel comfortable in if you're not a social media person, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And also it gives you more of that laser shot instead of like the scatter shot. If you're a little bit of everywhere, you're not going to have the same impact as being really focused and really dialed in in one spot. Yeah. Maybe a couple. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So, wow, this has been so informative and exciting. I can't wait (laughs) to put this episode out. I'm really excited. So let me ask you this one final question then. What did I not ask you that I should have? (laughs) Oh, geez. Authors Mm. really need to know or anything. You asked so many good questions. I think that we covered it. I mean, like the partnership, the platform, Mm -hmm. 
empowering yourself and being your book's best advocate, but not being like so pushy that you like alienate the people who are wanting to help you. (laughs) Uh, We talked about the social media piece, podcasts. We didn't talk about media coaching. Perfect. Let's talk. Yeah. Yeah. That would be one. Media coaching is very expensive, so it, it needs to be for the right fit. But a lot of times that can be really helpful for people too if you have the money to spend on it, to work with someone that really help you hone down your interview skills. I just had an author had a great experience doing that. And it was really worth the investment. And she was glad that she did it. We don't recommend it for most of our authors just because it's spendy, but it can be very valuable thing if you're really moving forward and want to branch out and like take your media coverage to the next level. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think it can be so important because especially when you're doing traditional media, like traditional radio interviews or traditional TV, you don't necessarily get a lot of time, not like with a podcast. So you've got to make your points. You've got to make them very clearly and succinctly. And there's a lot of protocols with television. Yes. They're not intuitive. Yeah. So I could see that being really beneficial. Yeah. I'm impressed. You asked some really good questions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, and you gave us some really great answers. So Kim, thank you again for sharing this incredibly valuable information and with our listeners who I know there's so many nuggets in here. This could literally transform book launches, you know, <laughs> unlimited number of book launches. So thank you again for your time today and sharing so generously. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time. 